You know, sometimes you got to learn to love what's good for you. You know what I mean? Hello and welcome to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Thanks for tuning in for today's Toxic Turn-On, the Draco Malfoy romantic fan fictions, retellings, and video content that is sweeping the internet lately. We're diving into this very unique fantasy phenomenon and exactly why the dark bad boy figure is so seductive in fiction and in real life relating. Wow. Wow. We're here. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. 11 years later. Oh man. <laughs> I think I thought we'd be here. I think I thought we'd be here but too. But not here. But no, me, I thought we'd be here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we'd be here generally. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm excited. I'm really excited to talk about this because I knew nothing about it. And then I opened that door. And then you opened the door for, for me and I <laughs> dived in deep. Yeah. Thank you for going on that journey with me. <laughs> Thank you for holding my hand. Yeah, sure. This is insane. Mm -hmm. This is crazy to me, especially like the whole universe that Draco talk, which I feel like it's just like an umbrella term that people are using. Yeah. Well, what's funny is the way that you were introduced to it is the way that I was introduced to it. Because we're adult women. Right. I knew nothing about it. And then like a year and a half ago, I had a friend mm -hmm. who was very deep in like the fanfiction fan fiction realm like that was her chosen place to essentially like get porn that was her her realm and i was talking about like the kind of guys that i was like actively into and dating and she was like you are such a draco girl and i was like draco you mean like the pansy little daddy's boy who's like flouncing around and like what are you talking about she was like no like the other draco and she basically told me that there's this like underground realm of people who have like taken canon draco and turned him into this like brooding strong bad boy who like overcomes his personal demons or doesn't depending on what you're reading and then like falls in love with hermione granger and that it's like a completely separate character from the person who's in the books and she was like you are such a draco girl like about the person i was really dating What's so funny to me, though, is that, like, the expansion of the character Draco, because his character is very one-note mm -hmm. in the books, in the movie, because they've sort of taken, like, every... The Draco talk phenomenon has taken everything from the book, everything mm -hmm. from the movie, and, like, mashed it together and, mm -hmm. and added things and turned it into this, like... Definitely still toxic, extremely, like, twisted love story. Yeah. But it works. It's so weird. Like, I've been watching, I've, I've read some of the fan fiction, I've watched some of the TikToks where people edit themselves into a new version of the story, and he is cute. <laughs> He's very cute. What's so funny about, especially if you watch, like, the TikToks, is that what is vital to the story for these girls because i do think that most of them are high school girls i gotta be honest i think most of them have never been in a relationship is that what is vital to this fantasy is breaking up with draco at some point they don't want to be with him and be worshipped by him 
they want to be with him and they want it to be a fucking whirlwind. They want it to be tortured. They want it to be on again, off again. They want there to be maybe like another nice guy floating around. Like they want to break up with Draco. They want to cry over him. That's so funny. Mm. And that's also funny because I feel like we were teenagers together and Mm. so many of our fantasies when we were extremely toxic teenagers like it did involve a breakup it had to involve a breakup it was never like i'm gonna meet a nice guy and we're gonna fall in love and we're gonna get married and we're gonna stay together mm-hmm. forever and now look where we are but like we wanted to be tortured and i just feel like when you're a teenage girl and we were both this way it's like you felt like you had this like hurricane inside of you mm-hmm. all the time and you just wanted scenarios to pop up that would like justify the hurricane or like give you a place to kind of like exercise it definitely because you're just in so much pain like you wake up one day and for no reason like you're just in so much pain as a teenage girl which is so funny because like i remember us like stomping around in like combat boots and dark eyeliner and like you know whatever and like if you look back like we just look like little 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But in my mind, I was... Effie Stoneham. I was Effie Stoneham. Like, I was riding high. You know what I mean? So, but now we're adults. This is probably 10 years, more than 10 years later. Yeah, we're big, big girls now. And I still get it is the thing. Like, I've definitely had, like, healthier relationships, and we've done the toxic thing a couple mm-hmm. times, and... You know, I definitely have a better sense of self when it comes to this, but I think we can both say, like, the Draco thing, the bad the bad boy, the brooding thing, it's still working, at least in fiction. I would say I grew out of it one year ago, <laughs> and I'm 25. <laughs> I would say that I was, like, so attached to this one idea of a guy for, yeah, literally from when I was a teenager to when I was 24. Yeah. I just kept getting back on that train. And, like, what knocked you off the horse for good? Um, I think I finally, like, A, met my match. Because I think that I had this idea of someone being tortured as it being really romantic in a way. Like, that was, like, the idea of someone having demons and then, like, coming to me about their demons and me being the one particular person who could understand this person was so romantic. And then I finally met someone who was like deeply tortured in a way where I was like, this is not fun. This isn't a whirlwind. This is like scary and sad. And then I also (laughs) went through this so many times with different guys when I realized that like their demons had nothing to do with me. Hmm. And the fact that they were coming to me about this was not because I was like special or smart or because I like they loved me. It was just because like they were narcissists and I was there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like this was not because like I was special and I finally understood them in a way that nobody else did. It's because I was the one who was stupid enough to keep picking up the phone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, I just always thought that it would be this like, Bonnie and Clyde, us against the world, like, nobody gets me the way that this person does. And then I kept going through it with people over and over, and I was like, wow, this is not about me at all. Like, I am just an accessory to you, and that sucks. And then it becomes this turn off. It really does turn you off completely, because I've I've done that too. Mm -hmm. 
and you sort of look up and you're like, oh, like I'm not even here. Like yeah. you're in a play, a one man show. I'm not even here. I could be a mannequin. Yeah, I like went through a breakup and then was on a rebound date with this was this was team A of the bad boys. And I had like gone into it being like, I broke up with my nice, nice boyfriend, and here I am back with my bad boy for a rebound, like I'm the main character right now. And I was like, oh my God, I am the side character in this story. <laughs> but there is some, so I, you also love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. And you have since you were very young. Yeah. You're a Harry Potter family. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a Harry Potter girl. You once told me that Harry Potter was your first crush. He was my first crush because he was such a boy. He was such a boy. In those books, he, he just loves sports and he hates emotion. And I was like, yeah. He's I kind like of a, that. He's kind of a girl in the movies, though. He's so sensitive in the yeah. movies. Which we is don't sweet. talk about this enough, is that he's, like, sensitive and he likes Hermione. And in the books, he's, like, a brute. <laughs> he's like, I love sports and I wish everyone would stop crying. <laughs> That's it. That's who Harry is in the books. And I was, I was into it. So it sounds like there's not really, like, it It seems like in the Draco talk world, Draco is sort of like this misunderstood person and Harry becomes this hero and they're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum of characters in the books. But honestly, it sounds like what originally drew you, drew, drew you to Harry is kind of why Draco and Draco talk this whole character they've created in this whole fantasy that these crazy little girls <laughs> have created is very similar. Yeah. Well, I think... You know, when I was, because, you know, Harry was my first crush when I was, like, were we five when those came? Like, I don't even know how old we were. We were so young. We were really young. Um, And, like, obviously Draco was never my crush because Draco wasn't this character in the books. But I would say around high school, like, if there was a bad boy character, that's who I wanted. Mm. Like, if it was Steven, not Steven, if it was Stefan versus Damon. Damon. Oh, I was obsessed with Damon. Me too. Like, I was a hardcore Damon girl. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember other examples because I know that there were them and now I can't. But, like, all I know is that, like, I only wanted someone, like, with a record mm-hmm. who might kill you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I I wanted the torturedness. And honestly, Harry's pretty tortured now that I think about so it. So dark. Especially in, like, the fifth one. Oh, yeah, he's always angry. He's so angry. Now this is coming back to me. He was, he was so angry. Yeah, like, I know that I'm sure J.K. Rowling and the, uh, the uh, I think a bunch of different writers write the m- movies, but, like, I think you are supposed to see that, like, Harry and Draco are not so different. It's just that yeah. Draco comes from a, a, a abusive family. Right. I mean, so does Harry, but, like, Harry ends up finding friends and he's the chosen one, and yeah. you know. So, like, they really are very similar people, and, you know, Harry is this, like... He's swashbuckling. He's... I was going to say, now that this is coming back to me, like, Harry's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was hot. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I don't know at what point I figured this out, but I just think that for me, like, I at some point felt like whatever relationship I was going to get into as an adult, I was, like, bringing a certain amount of baggage and darkness that I felt like maybe other girls didn't have. Mm. And I really romanticized the idea that like, A, it wouldn't scare someone away because like they would have their own shit to deal with. Like I was, you know, when I read Harry and how like tortured he was, I was like, yeah, same page. You know what I mean? But also the idea that like my darkness would like 
specifically equip me mm. to be the perfect partner for someone was like the most romantic idea that I could ever think of. So like this thing makes you lovable. Yeah. And this person who also has experienced, experienced this thing that makes you both able to yeah. love each other. That comes from a really real yeah. place. And I think I'm so fascinated by it. I'm so fascinated by all of these young girls who are still really attracted. Like, it's universal. Mm -hmm. Young girls want a bad boy. Most young girls, I think. They, you all, you experience that at least once. And it's just, it's so many factors, but I think it's so pivotal, pivotal to, like, the woman that you become is, like, being able to understand why you want that. And if you had it, like, being able to understand that experience, because we've both at separate times, like, held each other's hand through the breakup and, mm -hmm. like, purging of these very toxic men in real life from each other's life. So I feel that now also, like, the loving of this character that has been created around Draco is more of, like, a sentimental thing now. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's so cute. Like, that's so... It's also funny because Draco is an idea. He's not a character, which means that he shows up now in different literature in different ways. So, like, it's not like J.K. Rowling wrote the romantic Draco. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a bunch of different, like, you know, TikToks or fan fictions or whatever where, like, Draco behaves slightly differently depending on who wrote him, which means that, like, his ending is unfinished. Mm. So there are versions of the story in which, like, he never overcomes his demons and they don't end up together. Mm. And then there are versions of it where it's, like, he does. Do you know what I mean? Where he sees a different way and he becomes this really good person and he, like, there's a happy ending. So I think that also what must be so attractive about the Draco of it all in a way that's not attractive about real people is that, like, his story will never be set in stone. Like, every single day there is a new opportunity for Draco to, like, rise to the occasion or not. Mm. Whereas now we're, we're kind of at an age where it's, like, damn, if you meet a guy and he's still doing the shit that, like, teenage, like, angsty boys were doing to us, mm -hmm. it's really unattractive, first of all. It makes me laugh now. Yeah. Like, the stuff that I used to think was debonair makes me laugh. Do you know how many men have looked me in the eyes and said, I think I might be a sociopath? How many? Three. <laughs> Three men. And the first time, I thought I was in a goddamn movie. And in that moment, were you, like, hot? Like, literally, I was like, yes, we are connecting. We are connecting. Do you know what I did that night? I went home and I cried myself to sleep because I just had this intense experience. The third time it happened, I laughed. The third time I was like, shut up. <laughs> shut up and eat your cookies. No, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, you just start to realize that, like, you know, obviously everybody has baggage and everyone has things to work through, but there is something I think kind of specific about the way that men have been taught to like nurse their demons Yeah, is really unattractive. And at some point you're a grown woman with like years of therapy under your belt yeah. and you've got a great routine and good friends and a happy brain and you're like, all right, I don't have time. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I think that something about, at least all the Draco content that I've taken in so far, it seems like it's the perfect recipe for bad boy. Because it's like, he's bad, but almost somebody's forcing him to do these bad things. Because he doesn't know any better, because he was raised by wizard Nazis. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't... 
he doesn't have a choice. And also, like, he is really young. He's so young. If your parents, like, hit you every day and also were Nazis, when you were 15, you'd probably also be a Nazi. Yeah. Which I think is probably also what people like about it is that, like, his evil isn't his choice. And he's so young that it doesn't feel personal. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it hurts him that he is does not have a choice but to, like, be this very evil person. Well, the sixth book mm-hmm. and movie, that's what's funny about this, is that a lot of this, like, moral ambiguity is canon. Yeah. She just didn't... A lot of people feel like she set up an arc that mm-hmm. she never finished. Yeah. So, you know, the sixth book, he's, like, charged to kill Dumbledore. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and he, like, it's tearing him apart inside. Like, yeah. Like, all you read about and see in the movie is how he, like gets sick and he's so stressed and then the moment comes down to it and he can't do it mm-hmm. right like he lead, he goes all the way up to it and he can't do it and then there's actually whoever directed the seventh or eighth movie i don't remember um because in seven part one if we're talking about the movies um harry and ron and hermione show up at bella's mansion and he refuses to identify them mm-hmm. which is supposed to be like his big moment of moral ambiguity right. where like he at the final moment can't hand Harry over to Voldemort in the final like battle um in the eighth movie they shot a scene in which when Harry pops up and reveals that he's not dead Draco throws him his wand mm. and they wanted to like complete the arc right and say that like Draco realizes and they cut it I and they yeah. I know and they they take it away from us and basically all you see is like Draco and his family like sulking away and you never get to find out the ending of that arc well it's just him and his mommy right walking think, away him and helen mcrory i think his dad is there oh, okay well yeah it does suck that you don't get to see him basically like choose to be his own man yeah but i also think it is very attractive to like be like oh, but I can make him feel better. Like, there's a there's the seeds of a, a good guy in there, but yeah. they, there's this very attractive smudging all around it. So he's, like, this perfect mix of, like, bad, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to be bad, but can't help being bad, and girls just want to touch it for a little. <laughs> girls just want to play. They just want to <laughs> touch it for a little and leave. Yeah, I also think, like, we just want to be special because I feel like when you're a girl, all you're taught from the second you come out the womb is that all bitches are the same. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Y'all look the same. Y'all read the same books. Y'all listen to the same music. Like, there is nothing special or different. Y'all dress the same. And so the idea that, like, there is something about you that is so one in a million that could, like, lure the Prince of Darkness, like, back over to the good side. Like, yeah. I, think, I think that's what people like is the idea of being so special. Mm. Because he also never really has a girlfriend. And a lot of these bad boys, like, a singular tenant to the bad boy trope is, like, they're very solitary. Like, mm-hmm. they rarely have girlfriends or friends or they never have a group. Draco's like that. He's right. very solitary, despite the fact that he's existing in these very, very dark cults, like Slytherin and the Death Eaters. But he's very solitary. And yeah. you think, like, he must be lonely. Well, that's why people are so empathetic towards him. People are like, yeah, Harry's an orphan, but at least he had friends. Which is really funny. Yeah, because because he's like, like, yeah, everyone he knows and loves dies, but at least he's got pals. Which is, I know, kind of like the point of the book. But it is funny because, yeah, like, he is set up to be sympathetic. Because 
he comes from a wealthy family, but he also is like in the books abused by his family. Yeah. And we love a sad boy. We, we love, love a boy it. who hates his mommy. We love a boy who hates his daddy. Absolutely. We love a boy whose daddy hates him. And then it's like, you're the only person mm-hmm. that can crack through all, like, you're the only person who makes the connection. He's not kind because he's just never seen kindness. Exactly. And you see that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. But I do think it's... The girls are damaged. I think that, one, it's so interesting that coming to this as an adult, as somebody who had never thought about Draco in my life before Mm -hmm. these young girls created this universe, it's so funny because I do have the sentimentality around, one, loving Harry Potter and it being a very cozy, safe space, even from when I was young. But then now, as an adult, like, being able to combine that with like the mental romantic state I had as a teenager. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like it's this sort of love for this younger self that I had that I look back on with this whole Draco thing. Cause it's like, these girls are likely where we were when we were teenagers in varying degrees of intensity. So it's like, aw, women are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny cause it's like, and the wheels will just keep turning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, teenage girls have always craved the bad boy. Like, it's they so just can't help it. And, like, we will keep going like this. I saw Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. And she basically dates, like, the bad boy. Mm-hmm. She can't help it. Like, she basically dates this guy who's, like, nobody else knows me the way that you know me. Ugh. And, you know, I have to play a part for the rest of the world, but I can only be me with you. And I was like... This is about 1950s, like, South Carolina. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're dressed in a way that you've never seen in your life. And I was like, how is it that I've I've dated this man? So many times. I've dated that man. Yeah. And I just, you know, it. the wheel keeps on turning. It just never changes. It's such a pivotal experience, though, mm-hmm. I think, going through that. And I also think this is an interesting... Because I know that there are plenty of other women people who engage with like this sort of attraction to this romantic idea of Draco who are not teenagers who are Mm -hmm. grown women just as we are and I do think a big part of being attracted to it is like it's not even like oh it's hot it's sexy it's more of like yeah like I get that thing Mm -hmm. that bad boy thing and I remember when I wanted it so badly Mm -hmm. it's more of like this reflection into your inner life. It's not necessarily like, oh yeah, like Draco just really does it for me and like I want him so badly. It's more like that is like such a touchstone for who I am as a person and all of these experiences I went through. Yeah. I think for a lot of adult women, it's very current. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I look back and I'm like, like I I remember it. I, I do think that like, if you never date it in real life, you never understand how fucked up it can be. And I think that I literally had to meet like the Prince of Darkness to finally like wake up, understand what it was about this that was not working, what it was about me that like needed this so badly and needed this validation so badly to be like, let's let's put it to rest. Let's put it down finally. So this like, fantasy and this summation that you are sort of look back on now like sentimentally in Draco it has been really good for you like it sucked at the time experiencing this fantasy in real life but Mm -hmm. 
it's, it's really transported you to a really healthy place. I think I had to date both ends of the spectrum mm. to understand how they were connected, mm-hmm. first of all. And I thought, I was like, congratulations to me. I have cured myself of the bad boy. I'm dating full opposite. And then I kind of look back on those relationships and they were at their core the same mm. and they like fed the same need. But yeah, I think I am glad I went through it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to other people. Like go find the most twisted, fucked up person you can possibly find until they cure you of your toxic Draco fantasy. Like I don't, I don't know that I would prescribe that, but it worked. It did. It did work. And one way or another, you were going to find trouble. Like, one way or another, you were going to experience this. I've always gone looking. Yeah. I have always gone looking. But yeah, I think... I I also do think it's a tough topic because most young girls who who are engaging with these very toxic fantasies... Like, I recently had a conversation with someone who was... We were talking about another romance author, and they were like... Well, she encourages such bad examples in romance. And mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be like, it's a fucking novel. Yeah. Like, it's not a manual. Right. You know? It's not a self-help book. Mm-hmm. It's a novel. And girls are going to fantasize and they're going to want things. Like, I think if you don't address it as we are talking about it now and acknowledge that it comes from a real place without shame, they're going to go find it. No, it is true. And it's also like, I think that... On some level, if you look at it, every relationship is toxic. I think that there's a level of toxicity if you look at it through any lens to most relationships because like partnership is so intense. It's messy. Do you know what I mean? Like the way that we take on another person is so intense and like there's gonna be a level of darkness to that and I think that you have to kind of figure out what works for you Mm -hmm. like you know I like I said kind of got like cured of my I just dated so many drug addicts (laughs) in a row and then I dated someone where I was like patting myself on the back being like he is the exact opposite of these people like congratulations to me he is just so moderate in every single way he doesn't have any of these toxic traits and Someone said to me, they were like, dating someone because they are the opposite of something that burned you is not good. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. as bad as continuing the cycle. And then, like, once that relationship ended, I realized that, like, by swinging so far to the other side of the spectrum, I had found more darkness. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it was, you know, and I think I'm still figuring out what like that happy medium looks like. But yeah, I don't think that you can look at a romance novel and be like, well, this is not what I'd want my daughter to be in. She's going to be in it anyway. Shut up. (laughs) She's going to date a loser. (laughs) She is. She's going to date six losers and you have to keep your mouth shut. You really do. Because that's what I'm saying. Like if you're not allowed to say without shame or honesty, this is what I'm attracted to and this is what I think about, And this is what is genuinely hot to me right now. And it's a little fucked up. If you're not allowed to have that conversation with people, that's going to fester. That's going to turn into something bad. And I think it does for teenage girls like it did for us because we grew up in Catholicism. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to have young love. We got to have a Madonna whore complex. (laughs) There was no outlet for us to like be romantic or, or be even at all a little sexual. So that just festered. And then you and I 
hit our older teenage years、mm-hmm. and we said, "Give me the most beautiful <laughs> fucked up loser you can find, and I will marry him if you let me." And thank God nobody let us. Yeah, no, it's true, and I think people need. To explore, but I also think that something that's important because, like, we're talking about romance novels is, like, at their core, these are people.、Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like, you can't put like a blanket ban on people. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, yes, do people tend to fall into the same like patterns and archetypes? Yeah, but they are people. And you know those people that I dated who looked me in the eyes and said they were sociopaths. Like someday they will grow up、mm-hmm. and they will marry someone, and you know they、yeah. will be good to them. Do you know what I mean? So you can't like you can't throw all the fantasies out. I don't know. Right. It's like maybe maybe Draco does grow up and he he grows out of it. You know maybe he does become a good guy with a dark past. Which maybe that's. Maybe the, that's what we want. That's what we want. The reform bad boy. I mean, that is what happens in the in the books, right?、Yeah. He grows up. He marries. I think her name is Astoria. I don't know. You never hear about her otherwise. Yeah. He basically finds like some Slytherin girl who otherwise he didn't know and has a lovely family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He puts it all away. He stops speaking to his parents. Like he、yeah. and, he and Harry are fine. Like yeah. Even okay. Not that this is hot, but um, what's the kid's name? Dudley Vernon. I think so. Yeah, Dudley Vernon grows up and like becomes close with Harry. Oh, J.K. You know how she does that thing where she like tells you what happens yeah, after. Yeah. Basically, she was like, yeah, he was mean to Harry because he was a kid and they were both kids. And then he grows up and he like feels bad about it and like they have a good cousin relationship for the rest of their lives. That's sweet. Yeah. So maybe that's as you get older what the bad boy fantasy grows into. It's like. Maybe this is toxic, but it's like he does put it away for someone.、Mm-hmm. You know, he does grow and and he has that sort of like complexity of experience because he had this dark past, but he got through it, and now he's like a healthy, functioning individual who doesn't treat people poorly. He'll do it for someone, but oh my god, I don't want it to be me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's called healing. <laughs> so all of this. Like all of the things that I talk about,、mm-hmm. I write. She writes the smoochies.、Mm-hmm. I write romance. I write in the sexual wellness industry all day, every day. Like I am talking about something crazy with someone who doesn't want to hear it. Right. But basically, like I think that really what pushed me to wanting to talk about this with people I'm close to is that you really can't. Put one label on what toxic is because something that's really good for someone is going to be really bad for someone else. Right. So I think in the realm of fantasy, which is fiction,、mm-hmm. like fantasy remains in another realm that we don't apply to real life. It leaks, but you know, I think that we should be allowed to just say what's up there. Yeah. So I think labeling fantasy toxic is, you know. It's good to know when something should maybe stay fantasy, but it's also good to know where it comes from.、Right. So, what do you think makes fantasy toxic? Like, what is your definition of toxic? I think because, like I said, my bad boy fantasy was leaking over into who I was dating in real life, and I think that I realized that what was toxic for me about it was that I was dating someone not for how I felt about them, but for how what I thought dating them said about me. And I kept dating these guys and like seeing myself through their eyes. So first, when I was dating like not so great people, you know, first of all, was I cool enough? 
You know what I mean? Because these guys were like, cool, you know, they smoked a lot of cigarettes. Like, was I cool? Was I down enough to be this girl that they were with? And then it was like, was I brave enough to put up with all the shit that they were saying to me? Do you know what I mean? Because they'd say some really fucked up shit and I would, you know, not blink and not cry. And like, was I cool and smart and stoic enough to be with these people? And then, you know, when I realized like my pattern and I tried to date like a really 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 like good person I was just constantly like am I a good enough person for this guy Mm. like you know do I drink too much do I gossip too much like am I too vain like I was just only ever exhausting myself trying to see myself through these guys eyes so for me what was toxic about the fantasy was that it had nothing to do with the guys and it only had to do with like the narrative that I thought that it perpetuated about who I am. Mm, I see. So in a way, you were forming these fantasies around what you perceived as shortcomings. You were like forming these fantasies around like trying to prove to yourself that these things were either true or not true about you. Yeah, it's kind of like the fantasy was me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the fantasy was that I was going to be XYZ person. Right. And then I dated them and I realized that First of all, it was exhausting. <laughs> and second of all, they were all, all so goddamn self-involved. There's no it room. Didn't, it didn't say anything about me. Right. I had no idea who I was. And I, like, am so excited to now, after a year of, like, not being with anyone, to just date someone and, like, only have my own voice and my own opinions in my head of what I feel about them. Do you know what I mean? And not have to worry about, like, what does this say about me and what are they thinking about me? Like, just sounds quiet. It sounds peaceful, and I'm excited to see what that looks like because I've never done that. Wow, that's lovely. It's really like, I really do think that this very negative experience had very positive outcomes, you know, mm-hmm. being drawn to this negative dark force. It, you know, it, it was transient, and you moved through it, and you learned a lot about yourself, and now you're like, now nah, I'm just, I don't, I, don't, I just want to sit with myself. Yeah, I'm I just want to sit with my own thoughts. I'm retired. Thank you so much for listening to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Tune in next week to hear me and another friend chat about Robert Pattinson's romantic essence across many of his characters. For extended show notes that include reading, watching, and listening recommendations, as well as an episode-related journal prompt, subscribe to my substack below.